0: Montez to throw, down the left side to fade, Loviska's in the end zone, over the shoulder, catch is made by Loviska. Touchdown, touchdown, Colorado. How do you cover that man? Between the hashes, moving left to right, loopily, shotgun snap, gives the inside handoff, and that thing is blowing up that time. Oh, what a play by Landman. I mean, as soon as it was handoff, Landman was right there, and you can hear the pads popping all the way up here in the broadcast booth. Holy cow, what a play. Takes a snap, dropping the throw. He's got time. Downfield, K.D. Nixon, backpedaling, one-handed grab outside the 20 in the 15-yard line. Oh, what a catch by K.D. Nixon. Second down at 8 for the 16. Coletta, play action. Hit by Terrence Slang and he's sacked inside the 10 at the 9-yard line. Terrence Slang, there's no better-looking football player Montez fake handout, turns a corner, and there he goes. 2015 10, five, touchdown! Steven Montez, holy cow, he had the fake, and he rolled out to his left, and he was so alone, it looked like he was late for school as he went trucking in.
1: Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com, here with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, it's been a little while since we did a podcast. Uh, Still a lot of energy around this CU football program with the, the new staff taking over.
2: Yeah, it's always funny. It's kind of how it goes when there's new life, I guess you could say. You know, if you if you had seen these level of kids coming and McIntyre was still on board, it'd be panic time. I mean, obviously.
1: Well, transition know, class right. is different, obviously.
2: Yeah, the the circumstances are different. I just think it's, it's, it's a little bit interesting. I'm not panicking by any stretch of the imagination. It's kind of what we expected to see. The type of players that we're getting is certainly different. Um, you know, and there's no reason not to trust Mel Tucker so far, but I think there's potential for concern if it doesn't go right immediately, I guess. I mean, you don't want to be the only team in a conference that plays a certain type of way with talent that isn't good enough. Does that make sense? So that's, that's like the real fear, but I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time, and I think they'll get there. And obviously, we only have, I think it's five returning D linemen right now, six maybe. So, you have to fill those spots. So, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll find out pretty quickly that those guys were underrated or that it's going to take us a little time to get where we want to go.
1: The real shame, in my opinion, is that they don't have last year's schedule this year. Because... Right. They would have a much higher ceiling in terms of what they'd be mm-hmm. able to accomplish. Buff Stampede Radio is brought to you by Ever Pillow, which was chosen as the best pillow of 2018 by the Washington Post. These guys are huge Buff fans, and these amazing pillows are made right here in Colorado. They are fully customizable pillows for every sleep style. Just add or remove the natural feel to get the pillow exactly how you want. No chemicals, memory foams, cheap polyfoams all natural and ridiculously comfortable support a Colorado company that loves the buffs and makes an amazing product save 10% now at infinitemoon.com by using go buffs in the cart always free delivery and 100 day risk-free trial ever pillow by infinite moon made by us in Colorado perfected by you that's i-n-f-i-n-i-t-e moon.com well the biggest news story here. We're less than a week away till the regular signing period is Kair Elam from Florida. Top uncommitted cornerback prospect in the country. Would be the highest ranked signee at CU since Ryan Miller in 2007. He apparently has Colorado in his final two with Florida. React. Escalated quickly.
2: <laughs> I was actually thinking about this. Like If we get good news on that, I've already got the gif that I'm posting on Twitter ready.
1: All right. All right. And
2: I'm actually really proud of it. I'm I'm ready for it, and I think the people are going to think it's
1: funny. It's one of those weird dynamics where Colorado's in his final two, so you got to put that information out there. Yet part of you is going, uh, like I I think he's going to pick Florida, and I don't want to get right. CU's fans' hopes up and and have them crushed if he does pick Florida. But we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Mel Tucker and staff are going to have their final in home with him on Friday. This is not just a pipe dream. this is a legitimate situation um, again though I, I think if you're yeah. betting money on this right yeah. you're, you're betting on Florida
2: yeah I mean there's two ways to look at it there's one there's one way in that it's you know we've been recruiting this kid for 10 minutes basically and Florida's been recruiting this kid for the whole process wouldn't exactly be a disaster if he decided to go to Florida I mean that makes sense. he's from Florida he's a you know, I think he's a top 50 kid right? He is. Yeah, Yeah, top 50 kid nationally. Um, You know, it would be one of the hugest upsets of the year if Colorado out of nowhere came in and took a top 50 kid out of Florida. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, You know, so that's exciting. I mean, even if you don't get that done, I mean, you can't land top 50 guys if they don't come visit. Right? That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is if you get all these guys to come and they don't commit – you wasted a lot of time. Um, so there, ha- at some point, you're going to have to build enough momentum to get one of these guys. And I think you will eventually. It might not be Elam. It might be next year. But um, I think especially early on in your tenure, you've got to take those chances because, you know, if you find a way to get just one of these guys, the wave that you're going to create nationally of what is, what is Mel Tucker doing at Colorado, how did this happen? You're going to start to see other kids get some big-time interest.
1: I was going to ask you something along those lines. Even if Elam doesn't pick Colorado, the fact that they're in his final two, how much optimism does that give you for what Mel Tucker and this coaching staff, their ability on the recruiting trail? Because you've seen with 2020 offers that they're shooting for the stars. How much more optimistic are you? I mean, there's some initial excitement for
2: sure. But again, I mean, if this situation happens seven, eight times in a row, it's going to start to get sad I mean you're gonna lose your confidence that this will ever happen you know you know finishing top two is better than not being included at all but it's still not good enough being second doesn't get you anything at the end of the day other than a little bit of momentum for the next guy but eventually you got to hit on one so I I think yeah I mean it's it's a positive sign but at some point you're gonna have to hit
1: Again, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon and recruiting news this time of year, uh, it can change with the wind. Um, So hopefully nothing that we talk about or hopefully not too much about what we talk about on this podcast is outdated by the time it hits hits your eardrums. Uh, Receiver Levante Chenault, LaVisca's younger brother and defensive tackle Lloyd Murray Jr., also from Texas, set to visit the Buffaloes this weekend, final weekend before the regular signing period. Uh, Levante Chenault, I think initially was scared to come to Colorado, given the success of his older brother, but just that relationship that he, him and his family have with Darren Cheverini, and, mm. and the fact that Texas Tech's receivers coach left to go to Kansas, he decommits de- there, it kind of opened the door for Colorado.
2: Yeah, it's been a little bit of an interesting recruitment because he had a lot of big options early on in the process, but he wasn't rated as highly, and now throughout the season he's slowly worked his way up to rankings, and then all of a sudden his you know he was looking at Kansas and he was looking at Illinois not exactly two powerhouse programs. So it's been kind of interesting to see this play out. He's a quiet kid, just like Lavisco was too. Not a guy who's going to do a ton of interviews and put his name out there and, you know, do catch videos and all that, some of the stuff that the kids in California love to do. But um, he has has a built-in relationship here. Um, It'll be – he's going to get all these comparisons to his brother, which is unfair because his brother is an absolute freak of nature, Um, who also, (laughs) interestingly, was – rated lower than levante is right now (laughs) so i think people i remember me and you specifically and other people close enough to recruiting katie was rated higher than lavisca throughout that process and we're all just watching film like am i blind (laughs) This kid is special and he wasn't even that highly recruited and that turned out to be the case now i think the recruiting services are a little concerned okay we can't underrate his brother too so he's moved his way up And I think I'd be surprised if he ends up as good as LaVisca, but that doesn't make you bad. I mean, LaVisca was a Heisman candidate, so he's still a guy that can help Colorado in a lot of ways. And they can play together, which I think is important too because they do different things.
1: And Lloyd Murray Jr. is an interesting recruit. You go on 24-7 sports and look at his offer list. As a CU fan, you're going to start drooling. But those aren't committable offers at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we we do this every year. We make fun of when CSU lands a guy who he goes to CSU but he has all these offers that are like oh why did he end up at CSU but when it happens to Colorado everyone's like nasty this is legit you know like th- there's a reason that a guy has offers from Alabama and Texas A&M or whatever it may be and then at the end of the process is going somewhere else you know, you know it's not always the same reason but you can be safe to say that there's a reason for that happening you know what is it in this case we don't really know but I mean, he's a guy at a position of need and, a, you know, a high school prospect at a position of need that we're looking at. So we'll bring him in and the staff will vet him. And if they think he's
1: ready to go, he'll be here, I'm sure, because this is the last weekend. So we'll see how it plays out. Jalen Williams, a defensive lineman from Mississippi, was on campus last weekend. And it sounds likely that he'd end up signing with Colorado. Doesn't have a lot of other options. Comes from a really small town, Tyler, town. Tylerstown in Mississippi. Um uh, I'm a expert, I'm Jalen Williams. <laughs> <laughs> when you see this staff go for a guy that doesn't have a lot of other options, knowing that he's from this area where he hasn't got any exposure versus mm. let's say he was at DeSoto High School, you probably feel a little bit better about that as a CU fan, right?
2: Yeah, I think you feel better about it. It's it's crazy that this still happens in today's day and age with social media. Kid doesn't
1: even have his own huddle page. Right?
2: Yeah. I mean, how does that still happen in 2019? It's crazy. You know, especially in the South. You know, like you you talk
1: about um... his his head coach doesn't even have a voicemail. I was trying to get a phone number for yeah. this kid, and I'm talking to the secretary, and uh, his name is Charles. I think we're on a first name basis now. I still have not talked to that head coach. <laughs> It, it and this this secretary is in no hurry to get out his words. It just sounds like a different place. Yeah, I
2: mean it's you can have positive thoughts about it. It's like Jalen Sammy was in a similar situation, right? No one had ever heard of this guy at all. He's from a small school in the Springs, but this is the South, not Colorado. You know, like you would think these coaches have crossed their teased and dotted their eyes for every little space in the south because there's so much talent down there it's crazy it still happens but everybody's really high on what Jaylen sammy can potentially do at colorado so you know you can find these web gems for lack of a better term
1: well scc programs don't really have to work that hard right because they get most of these kids to come to their campus yeah so you know this kid didn't travel around yeah
2: know? mileage wise it's certainly easier to get if you're from anywhere in the south you can get to most of these big schools within a four or five hour drive
1: The winds can change quickly with recruiting, as I mentioned earlier. Erwin Boyd was uh, basically nearly a CU lock, and then Maryland offers him. He commits there last weekend. Tyler Devera, tight end from New Jersey, basically had UMass after him, and then all of a sudden Colorado and Maryland and Louisville are all battling for him now. You're seeing this more now with two signing periods because you have certain schools that are scrambling to fill certain Mm -hmm. spots,
2: they're just chasing each other around,
1: and there's just not a lot of whole a whole lot of
2: top uncommitted kids at this yeah. point. Maryland has apparently decided to go after every single person we offer,
1: so which is kind of interesting. Louisville's Honestly. been been there quite a few times too. Yeah. Shadon Brown now on staff
2: there. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because we had a coach go there. We haven't had a coach go to Maryland. Well, we we have Brumbaugh from Maryland, but you yeah. would, you wouldn't think he's passing out a whole lot of information about guys we're offering. So it's been a little bit interesting to watch that. But yeah, I mean. You know, we'll probably all of a sudden hear about some kid we've never heard of in the next couple of days who didn't visit who all of a sudden has a chance, you know, to sign here. We'll see how it plays out.
1: Buffs lost safety. Jamal Hill to Oregon. Ducks currently ranked sixth nationally on 24-7 Sports Composite team recruiting rankings. CU ranks eighth right now ahead of Arizona, Washington State, Utah, and Oregon State. And the Buffs are not that far behind Cal and UCLA. Oregon what, what are your thoughts on the class they've put together and, and do you think Cristobal can really build this back up into a power like they had under Chip Kelly
2: no I really don't and I'm not really sure why I'm not that high on their long-term potential I just think it's is it the Jim Levitt factor that no hate there no I don't think so I think I think they just the type of guys they recruit isn't it's not sustainable success they can have a few years where they really blow up but it seems to me like they've built their program that if one thing goes wrong they're going eight and four that's how I feel. And you know, it's football. You don't. Your whole team doesn't stay healthy for the entire year. That's how it works. So, yeah. I mean, I think those the type of kids they're getting. They all think they're going to play, and as soon as half of them realize they're not going to play, they're going to lose half of those guys, and they're going to go elsewhere. So, yeah. I don't know. I just the long term viability of their program to me, it, it just doesn't scream long term success.
1: Where do you think Colorado ends up? Uh, Obviously, Elam would be a, a guy that could jump them ahead of Cal and UCLA. But yeah. if without him, probably they're, they're probably going to stick around where they are have 8th.
2: I haven't paid as much attention to how many spots the other teams are filling up as I probably should have, and that will impact it mm-hmm. a lot too. I mean, we're, we're going to be signing more guys in the second period than probably most of the teams in the country, I would think, outside of teams who also change their coaching staffs. Um, so I would think they'd have an opportunity to move up. I'm not 100% – I haven't looked at how close they are to Cal and UCLA. I think UCLA's probably got some – I know their class is pretty small. so they Their probably,
1: fan base is on Chip Kelly hard for the type of recruits yeah. they're going after.
2: Yeah, they have a lot of three stars. It
1: seems like he's trying to outsmart a lot of people with the guys they're mm-hmm. bringing in. That's frustrating their fan base quite a bit.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, so I think there's a chance that if they don't surpass those guys, they'll be right in that range. So I think there's no reason they can't be somewhere in that six to eight range, which I think is a good place to end up.
1: Offensive tackle Nico Pohahau, defensive lineman Jaden Simon, athlete Trustin Oliver, Independence Community College linebacker Jamar Montgomery, athlete DJ Oaks, and El Camino College linebacker Quinn Perry have all joined the Buffaloes commitment list since our last show. John Tavius Johnson announced that he's going to be a graduate transfer from Auburn to CU. And uh, 24-7 sports four-star prospect Tariq Luckett firmed up his pledge here since our last show. We put together videos on each of these guys. We're going to have those on regular signing period which is on Wednesday so we're gonna spend a ton of time on this but kind of share your favorite guys on that list with with this regular signing period yeah I mean it's I don't
2: know there's a lot of ways that you could go with this I think probably the, the one with the most upside is probably trust Oliver if you can if you can stay on the field I think you can play all over the place in the secondary I um, obviously if you get Kyrie Elam that's an easy answer you know what I mean so we'll see how that goes um I mean, of the, of the whole class in general, Mark Perry is definitely the guy that I'll have number one overall.
1: Okay. One guy on this list that I'm surprised doesn't have more power conference options is Jaden Simon, defense lineman from Washington. Uh, he's got good size, good athleticism for that size. He plays basketball. I liked his film quite a bit, and I even asked Brandon Huffman, our national director of recruiting, why he doesn't have more offers. Brandon lives up in Washington, and he doesn't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, so the one thing I, I like what they've done up in Washington, so they have, I think it's called Ford Sports Performance, Tracy Ford runs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of Matt McChesney-esque, I guess I would say. They have a seven-on-seven team, and that Daniel Arias is from that program as well. Um, getting on Tracy Ford's good side and being able to make that little bit of a pipeline would be Huge for Colorado because I don't know if people Washington doesn't produce a ton of big name talent if you're comparing it to California and Texas but it has more than you would probably think and he's sending four star guys to USC and you know UCLA and Washington and all those schools every single year I mean you you want to continue a pipeline to that Ford sports performance tradition because they got talent up there
1: And Jaden Simon's younger brother, a 2021 athlete recruit, Mm -hmm. has already got offers from a lot of schools, CU, USC, a bunch of schools. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, he's – listen,
2: recruiting a guy's – he's Washington is going to be tough to be for anybody that's a big-time recruit in Washington. So I don't want anyone to get their hopes and be like, oh, he's coming to Colorado now because that would be still a huge upset in my opinion.
1: Buffalo's – agree to a home-and-home home series with Missouri for 2025 and 2030. Which of those upcoming non-conference series are you most excited about? I mean, Nebraska is the easy answer,
2: but moving beyond that, I think the two that stand out the most to me are TCU and Texas A&M, and kind of for different reasons. TCU is a program I've always respected. I like how they play defense. They're fun to watch to me. Um, I've never been to Dallas-Fort Worth, so be down to go check that out. A&M is it's almost because I hate them. Like I, they're so unique and that stadium experience would be awesome, but I hate everything about A&M and their fan base and everything. So I just kind of want to experience the awkwardness of everything they are.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm personally looking forward to the Minnesota trip in 2022. I was born there. Hopefully moved it's away. not
2: minus a hundred.
1: Well, it's going to be early in the season. It's <laughs> September's not quite as brutal there as yeah. is maybe some people think, but I haven't been back there in – gosh i don't know 20 years yeah i've never been to minnesota
2: but i've heard it's beautiful so i definitely would be interested in that trip as well
1: Yeah, they got a series with northwestern rick george wanted to do that partly because there's a huge alumni base in chicago Mm -hmm. so that makes sense there's
2: yeah quite a few of my friends from boulder are from chicago
1: so israel antwine transferred out of the program since our last show aaron Hagler calls it quits there's good attrition and there's bad attrition. Israel Antoine leaving obviously is really bad attrition. I would say they're both bad.
2: I mean, Hagler's not a, certainly not the best player you've ever seen. But having him in your—he's
1: going to be having, a senior
2: though. Yeah. He only have one more year. Yeah, I mean, but even if he doesn't start, you know, if someone gets hurt, it would have been nice to have him in your back burner if you wanted to. Um, yeah, Antoine is brutal, but it's hard to have any sour feelings about it. He's obviously a kid who needs a little bit of extra attention with everything that he has going on. And he had a really he was comfortable with the old staff and Katie Basin and all that stuff. He, you know, needs things done a certain type of way every single day and all that got taken from him. So it's fully understandable. And I wish him nothing but the best. He was a fun player, really good. He would have been a big time player here, but I'm sure he'll do well at Oklahoma State being closer to family.
1: Mustafa Johnson and Terrence Lang return with multiple years of multiple years of eligibility, but Man, CU is very thin on the defensive line. You're going to need Jeremiah Doss and Janaz Jordan yeah, and a man. couple of these high school kids to help out on that, on that yeah, rotation. Yeah, I mean,
2: Jalen Sammy's going to have to be the guy that everybody keeps whispering he can be Now, coming off that injury. Um, yeah, I mean, they have a million guys coming in. Tava Fino, so, if he, he comes on, that would be huge. Yeah. I mean, there is. it seems like their whole entire class is Juco D-linemen. So <laughs> you figure somebody is going to be able to play right away and you know some of these i mean mustafa johnson was not a highly rated kid um i'm totally blanking on the other dn dude just graduated javier Did edwards you, no not javier edwards chris malumba chris malumba thank you i don't know why that was out of my brain was a guy who wasn't highly recruited and he wasn't by the time he was done here he was a solid performer as well so um jordan Carell as well i mean they they've done a good job with guys who weren't extremely highly recruited on the on the d-line front in juco rank so hopefully a few of these guys can step in and be similar uh productive guys for us
1: again it's been a while since our last show alfred papunu has joined the buffalo staff as tight ends coach since that last show played nine seasons in the nfl six with the san diego chargers his 93 receptions in 1991 at weber state earned him all american honors and was the second most ever in a single season by a tight end big thing here is not only the the NFL pedigree the credentials there but he's from Salt Lake City Mm -hmm. and has connections to the Polynesian community absolutely
2: perfect tire I've been calling for a guy like this at Colorado for years poly connections California ties NFL roots perfect absolutely perfect tire
1: they are vowing with every tight end that they recruit that they're going to be a huge part of this offense do you I mean, there's no reason not to believe it, right? No, I I
2: mean, yeah, if they're good enough, they'll use you. I mean, that's what good football players do. I mean, if you, if you aren't worth getting 50 targets in a season, then you probably won't. If you are, you will. That's, I would believe that for sure.
1: Valentin Sen, Colorado's early signee from Austria, went out to Orlando, played in the Under Armour All-American Bowl, and he won more reps than he lost, playing against the best defense alignment in the country. Uh, that's got to give you some some hope for this kid to be i
2: mean we saw him live and i think i was definitely surprised when they offered him um i mean he's athletically very talented but pretty frail for a college lineman you know obviously he's got time to get bigger um but yeah i mean to see how he performed at a bowl with a lot of talent was pretty shocking and um even even more shocking to me i figure once that coaching change happened in the style of guy that Mel Tucker's looking for it. I'd be like, all right, Valentin Sen is one of the guys you're going to look at and be like, eh, he might not make it. And that kept him on. So, I mean, he's definitely progressing, and I, everybody all around
1: him is saying that he's making big strides. So, who knows? Maybe he'll surprise us. Love his accent, too. He's going to be a fun guy to interview. But, yeah, he's he's put on some good weight since mm-hmm. we saw yeah, him. Absolutely. That came, he's 285 now, yeah. and looks like he can put on a lot more weight, mm-hmm. too, with his frame.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's – He was extremely tall. I mean, looked even. He's listed at six seven. He looked taller than me um, when he was running around at that camp. But he was skinny. I mean, even skinnier than I am um, in terms of like what he needs to develop in his body. So he's put on a lot of good weight, and yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch uh, people kind of catch on to what he can do.
1: I ran a feature on the site: ten buffaloes that could break out in twenty nineteen. My list was Aaron Maddox, Jared Poplowski, Hassan Hippolyte, Alex Fontenot, Frank Phillip, Daniel Arias, Casey Roddick, Jalen Sammy, Jonathan Van Deest, and Makai Blackman. Are any guys that I didn't list there that you think are primed to it jump just, into a bigger role this season? It just depends on how you look at it. I mean,
2: I would have put Chris Miller on there because he's a guy who I think will probably be our number one corner. But started the season not starting, got injured, missed most of the year. I mean, like, there was a lot of high hopes for him, and it didn't really pan out last year. I think he could definitely get on that list.
1: Jake Moretti, um, if he's healthy, obviously.
2: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's – who knows how it's going to play out. We always think that, you know, all these kids are going to blow up, and these kids are going to blow up. I, I think I would probably put uh, – Jarek Broussard, I think, has a chance to play a little bit more next year, too. Okay.
1: What about Dimitri Stanley? He's another guy i try to – I didn't want to have the list too long, but he's a yeah. guy I could see yeah. having a bigger role.
2: He'd be up there. I think he's probably one more year away just because of the guys that are in front of him. I mean, if LaVisca should not play 12 games, nobody else is going to break out at wide receiver because he's going to get 16 targets a game.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think Dion Smith maybe too.
2: Yeah. Well, some, somewhere in that running back room, somebody obviously is going to get those carries. So someone will break up for sure.
1: I had a chance to sit down with head strength and conditioning coach, Drew Wilson. Uh, He was very candid in that interview, talked about how they're just running more than they ever have before. Mel Tucker's intro press conference, he says, we're going to be the most best conditioned team in the country. And you're not going to do that without running these guys to death. Well, not to death, because we've seen some programs get in trouble. I take that back, run them and run them and run them and make sure they're hydrated throughout that running session.
2: Yeah. I mean obviously the weather here makes it a little bit easier to avoid those types of situations. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean if we're the best condition, if we are conditioned well for altitude, no one, I mean you can't you know, other programs can't, you know, they they ha- they don't have any way to get ready for that. There's no way to prepare for altitude. So even if you're a well-conditioned football team, you're not going to be as well-conditioned when you come up here. So if we can run teams and we're 100% ready to go at the start of the fourth quarter, we're going to blow some teams out eventually.
1: Yeah, he mentioned uh, also trying to create a more resilient group, a group that isn't going to fold Oregon State and then just have the whole season collapse on them. Yeah. This offseason, they're going to push the guys. And if that runs some guys off, he kind of views that as a necessary evil. It's a, it's a fine line to walk, but he makes a great point. If you're going to quit on us in the winter – you were going to quit on us on the field in the fall.
2: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, if if you're not willing to put in the work necessary to be great, you're not going to be great. <laughs> it's you know. So, you don't want all these kids who are fine losing 7 games in a row in your program. If you're fine with that, you're never going to be successful.
1: He had great things to say, but Nate Lammon's been doing as a leader this off-season. The guys have been really rallying around him.
2: You need to keep him on the field
1: yep. this year. Yep said that Colby Purcell is there before they open the weight room in the morning, uh, which would be big if he... I mean, whatever weight he puts on is what his frame is going to allow because that kid's work ethic is off the charts. You can really tell that Drew Wilson loves the energy and expectations that Mel Tucker's arrived with. They're
2: they're caught from the same cloth, absolutely. There's no doubt.
1: And it's something when you're Mike McIntyre and you've been in Boulder for six years, it works against you, is people have heard your voice for six years. They've heard you say the same things over and over again. There's only so many different ways you can try to motivate people. Yeah, and it's, I mean the momentum was lost. People,
2: you know, when they were at an upward trajectory, everything that he's saying is solid gold. When it doesn't work out the way that you want, now everything negative every little negative connotation comes out. That's just life. It's frustrating. I hate that about life, but that is how it went down.
1: Let's jump into the Buff Stampede Mailbag. Dorn 9 asked Has there been anything you consider surprising or eye-opening in regards to Mel Tucker's first recruiting class? Mm,
2: Not really. I think it'll be surprising if this type of recruiting is what we do long term. He's trying to fill a lot of immediate needs, which is why you're seeing JUCOs, all these D-linemen. I mean, if if half of our class is junior college D-linemen next year, I'll be concerned. But for right now, he's just doing everything he can in a two-month period to fill the obvious gaps in the roster. That's how I feel.
1: Yeah, nothing really surprises me. Again, to your point, if they took this many flyers on under-the-radar type recruits in 2020, I'd be surprised. But when I was sitting down with Mel Tucker after he got hired, he talked about r- why he's a good recruiter, and it's because he develops a relationship with these kids, and he's consistent, and he's there for a long period of time and gets to know the kid and their family. You can't do that in a couple months.
2: Yeah, and he's no bullshit type of guy. So some, he's going to probably rub some people the wrong way, but those people aren't going to play for him anyways.
1: Well, but you're going to weed out the prima donna exactly
2: type recruits. And, but there are going to be some kids that love him, and there are going to be parents that love him, guaranteed.
1: Yeah. Buff 19 asked, Who are your top sleeper picks of this first recruiting class for Coach T.? I mentioned Jaden Simon earlier. Va Tofu Salveo is going to my list, too. Certainly
2: underrated. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of junior college guys. I, I, mean, I don't know. I feel like this class is full of guys there isn't a lot of film on. We don't have a lot of information on. So someone's definitely going to blow up. I, I think Mark Perry's the most underrated. I've said that a million times. We have bo- him both number one um, in the class. Man, there's no one else that really... Stands out. Nico Puhuhau? I just, dude, I'm going to sit here and pretend like I know what I'm talking about with linemen, but that's a lie. Every, uh, I, I can tell you nothing. Every lineman <laughs> I think is going to be good. Doesn't pan out.
1: He's a really
2: smart so, kid. I mean, we, we've been doing Colorado. We've been watching kids play in high school in Colorado for a long time. And there's been a couple different times where I've been watching a lineman play, and I'm like, this dude sucks. And then he goes to Nebraska, and now he's in the NFL. So I'm just going to give up trying
1: to pretend I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, if we had a record for the number of kids we, we talked about being underrated per position or overrated per position. Yeah, I think our batting average with offensive linemen is probably lower than any position.
2: Yeah, I take pride in the fact that I feel I, I'm pretty good at this, I think, for most of the skill position guys, for the most part. Linemen, I'm trash. And I've got to stop pretending that it's going to turn around because it's not. I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Well, what about Valentin Sin? We talked about him going out to Orlando against the right. best guys in the country. Yeah, exactly. So, Truffle Sauce asked, Do you think we're more likely to succeed with the under-the-radar defense alignment recruiting we've seen with this class from Brumbaugh than we have in the past with Jeff Coat? And he used Eddie Lopez as an example. There's a lot of worry that we're disregarding talent too much in favor of size. Mm-hmm. I'll let you answer this, Tyler. But I don't like the Jeffco comparison at this point because Jeffco was He's here for gone, five yeah. years, and his recruiting was gross. Dice right? Below. I mean, I think um
2: the the last couple of years, I I think the D line recruiting has been pretty solid. Mustafa Johnson, Terrence Lang, Javier Edwards, Chris Malumba, you know, Jordan Carell. Those are all good players. And yeah, those,
1: Jeffco didn't recruit those guys. I know.
2: That's I know. That's what I'm saying i don't know why jeff code is the the argument in in the past five or six or sorry two or three years we've gotten good guys here at the at the d-line spot um israel Antoine. i don't know how i forgot him he's obviously gone but you know even Jalen sammy all underrated guys none of those guys are four stars or even really close that i can think of Corell maybe was the closest of that group if i remember correctly but we've had success there so i don't see any reason why we wouldn't um I've been one of the people talking about talent versus size. And I think there is legitimate concern there. And I alluded to it at the very start of the show. And what I was trying to say is if you're the only team in the PAC 12, that's going to be physical and strong. It works. If you have the type of guys capable of crushing that role, you know, you have to be good at what you're doing. If you're going to be different, if we have guys who really can't compete at this level, trying to do something completely different than the rest of the conference, it has the potential to be disastrous. Um, now in this particular class, I don't think that's happening yet, and you don't really have much of a choice, so we gotta have some patience. But if we get players who aren't very good, that are bigger and slower than everyone, it's gonna be a problem eventually.
1: With Brumbaugh, he did recruit some blue chip guys when he was at Kentucky. Yeah, and Maryland too, I think, right? Um, I don't know. I don't think he got any blue-chip guys in Maryland. He was, wasn't there very long, I think, yeah. two years. But he, you talk to people in Kentucky, they're a lot higher on what Brumbaugh did there. Um, the last staff at Maryland just sounded kind of like it was a, yeah, a mess. Yeah, I mean, a lot
2: of bad juju around that whole situation, yeah. yeah.
1: Patilic13 asked, What's a realistic expectation for early playing time from this new recruiting class? How many do you see redshirting, and do you expect any to be starters from day one? You want to continue with your Mark Perry love here? Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> going
2: to have a chance to play right away. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, the guy, Salveo?
1: Salveo. Salveo,
2: okay. Is last Vatofu right? <laughs> va Salveo. Yeah, is a guy that everyone has said will probably come in and start right away on the line. Uh, I don't know which of these Juco D linemen is going to come in and play right away, but there will probably be at least two or three that play significant snaps. Um, I mean, of the wide receivers, I guess I'd be surprised if any of them come in and play right away. Uh, you know, Josh Allen obviously is expected to come in and play right away.
1: We've got to be I mean, Jaron Mangum and Josiah Davis we, sure. being here yeah. for spring ball. That's got to help them quite yeah. a bit.
2: And they have a huge opportunity. I mean, there's yeah. nobody has certainly taken that role. There's no time to yet, but I mean, they're, they're going to have as good an opportunity as anyone.
1: Yeah, you show you can pick up the pass protection side of it. Mm-hmm. You can play as a running back. That's an instinctual position. You can go out there and have a lot of success early on.
2: Yeah, I think Maygum has the way that he's transformed himself in the last year, he's got to have a leg up, in my opinion, there. I mean, he seems like a guy who could do a lot of things really well.
1: What about Marvin Ham? He needs to put a little meat on those bones. Yeah, I mean, he's
2: an explosive player. He's a guy who's going to be able to play, I think. I mean, the linebacker is... deep is i don't know if that's the right way to put it but there's a lot of guys who have had experience
1: expected to play this year so if he does play it'll probably be
2: mostly special teams and situationally i would guess
1: trustin oliver to me is a sleeper in this discussion too again going back with mark perry the lack Mm. of depth at safety and the whole thing with him was academics if he qualifies it wasn't a question if this kid is a pac-12 type caliber player
2: yeah i mean i love that they're putting him at safety because a lot of people were recruiting him at wide receiver or corner and I just don't I didn't see that but with the way his body is developed he's already 200 pounds and he's not a thick dude by any stretch I mean he could be 6'3 220 and he'd be a hard-hitting safety with some range he'd be like a slightly bigger Tedrick which is you know unfair to him probably but I think there is a chance that he could be a real surprise
1: he's got a lot of personality to that kid uh, it was funny. I was asking him if he was nervous going up to Boulder because he commits there and he'd never been to Boulder, even though he went to high school in Parker. And he said, no, he goes, if me and you were went out and we were talking to girls, I might just smile at you because I have a good feeling about this. That's what I did on the car ride up to Boulder. <laughs> I was like, all right, I, I got to use that quote. I'm <laughs> sick of the cookie cutter answer, answer from these kids. A reminder, Buff Stampede Radio is brought to you by EverPillow, the best pillow of 2018 by the Washington Post. These guys are huge Buff fans and these amazing pillows are made here in Colorado. They are fully customizable pillows for every sleep style, just add or remove the natural fill to get the pillow exactly how you want. No chemicals, memory foams, cheap polyfoams, all natural and ridiculously comfortable. Support a Colorado company that loves the Buffs and makes an amazing product. Save 10% now at infinitemoon.com. By using Go Buffs in the cart, always free delivery and 100 day risk free trial. Ever Pillow by Infinite Moon, made by us in Colorado, perfected by you. Have an Ever Pillow in my house, Tyler. You have one in your house. Thumbs yeah. up, great product. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you might be sick of that ad read, but it's because we're really trying to hammer this home that you need to get one of those pillows.
2: Yeah, I would reckon this is a good week to do it, too, because nobody can sleep the day before signing day. So the only opportunity (laughs) you're going to get to actually fall asleep is get one of these pillows. You might get a couple hours in.
1: There you go. HudsonBuff21580 asked, what are realistic expectations for the 2020 recruiting class? Can we expect a measurable increase from Mike McIntyre? I think we had a similar question to this previously Didn't we say the ceiling would be about fifth in the Pac-12 in -hmm. terms of recruiting rankings? Yeah,
2: I mean, we're not passing USC. We're not passing Oregon. We're not passing Washington. Like, that's just not happening. And if it does happen, I mean, we can circle back to this podcast and everyone can make fun of me, I guess. But that would be a good problem to have. Um, Outside of that, I mean, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, you know, you want want to be in that mix probably with Stanford being a tough one to catch as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think top six is certainly doable. Somewhere between five and seven is probably your goal. Uh, and finishing somewhere in the top 40 nationally
1: is definitely your goal. I think they were eight or lower every year under McIntyre, right? Yeah. They, I mean, they were right. 11th or 12th a bunch of his years here. And now they got some good gems in those classes. It, mm-hmm. he, he definitely recruited better than 11th or 12th in the Pac-12 with a lot of those classes. For sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you, yes, for sure.
1: So I think that's a good starting point for Mel Tucker is to get above maybe eighth. And I think you'd have to be happy with that. Davis buff asked, do you have any further update on Frank Phillip? Uh, There were updates on Frank Phillip, possibly leaving the Buffalo's football program. Check this past week. He's enrolled at CU right now. Um, So, you know, we'll see with spring ball. That's really the time to see if he's out there.
2: That would be rough. That'd be a tough one because I think the potential there is pretty high.
1: I mean, you're talking future NFL guy.
2: Yeah, you would think so. I'm, I'm almost a little surprised that his name came up. He didn't strike me as a guy that wouldn't get along with Mel Tucker. But maybe there's other factors. I don't know.
1: Yeah, when you, you're talking about he's 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows what, what happened there, but uh, he is still enrolled at CU. Again, Hegler's the only one that CU's come out and said he's graduating, not coming back next year. Uh, we'll do a head count during the beginning of spring ball. IA Buff asked when do you think the last assistant coach will be announced? Well, they they have a football game against CSU and what is that? 6 months. It's Somewhere between months. now and then, 8 months. <laughs> yeah, right. That's all there is. Who
2: knows? We haven't gotten much information on the coaching search this year. For sure.
1: Yeah, but in all seriousness, I would expect that to be done within the next week, week and a half. Nipis13 asked, I know you have had limited time with the new staff members, but I would like to know if any of them, coaches to graduate assistants to recruiting department, have stood out. Have any of the assistant coaches that were retained changed their day-to-day routines or made an adjustment due to having a new boss? That's a tough one to answer. These guys have been out pretty much recruiting. There was the dead period. Um, And the players weren't on campus at that point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can personally say I've met Mel Tucker, but that's it.
1: I will say Chris Kapilovic has gotten really good response from recruits so far. Yeah. Just he's got a lot of life.
2: Yes, it does. It definitely seems that he calls everything juice, and it's perfect for him because it does seem like he has a lot of juice.
1: He does. He's been grinding with the 2019 recruiting 2020. You know, there's a lot of really talented in-state recruits for 2020 they are offense alignment, and he's been making a point to stop by that high school, knowing that they're kind of behind the eight ball.
2: Yeah. I Listen, if there's one thing that I know for sure, there's a lot of arguments about Colorado recruiting, and I think most of it's bogus, but I will say I'm tired of watching dudes from Colorado that play all-line get drafted playing for other programs. That I'm getting sick of so i'd like to see that not happening anymore. i mean and it looks like Dalton Risner is going to be a first round pick. Now obviously not really the type of kid you're going to send to boulder most often, but
1: they were late in offering him. I remember I mean, watching that kid's high school film He's from
2: Wiggins. That's pretty Kansas State is. But
1: know? the dude was like on kickoff coverage just yeah. destroying oh, yeah. people. He was a
2: freak. Exactly. And we didn't give him any attention like you're not going to get every guy. Get that for sure, but I'm tired of it, man. It's not just him. The kid from Arkansas got drafted last year. Skipper. Uh, Dan Skipper, thank you. And there's been a couple other guys as well in the last three or four years. Uh, Arizona State last year went to the Broncos. Name is escaping me right now. Sam Jones? Sam Jones, yeah. So, you know, it'd be nice if we could get a Colorado lineman to go to the draft from CU.
1: Davis buff asked for all the talk about winning championships. We actually decreased the budget for Mel Tucker's coaching staff. Do you see the budget for the football program support staff being increased significantly? If so, how many new non coaching positions do you think will be created under Mel Tucker's plan? And do you like this approach? I don't, I mean, obviously the budget issue has a little bit to do with having to pay Mike McIntyre's buyout. You see those ticket price increases. I do not what what's
2: going on there? there? There's quite a few, so that's <laughs> that's how they plan to pay for all of this stuff. Is you know, these a basically the tickets that the ticket office is gonna say, Well, if we wanna be a winner we gotta act like a winner. So they're gonna increase prices. Um, I think it's I mean, listen, you're gonna get away with it because the home slate this upcoming year is absolutely ridiculous. We probably won't have as good of a home slate for the next twenty five years. Um, so people will probably pay the prices, but They better show some improvement. Otherwise, people are going to start to get frustrated. But for now, I think that's what they got to do.
1: They were able to raise a a good chunk of change, too, just with the excitement of Mel Tucker Mm -hmm. when he was first announced. DR10 asked, Adam, what do you think Tyler's best attribute is? (laughs) Well, if we're talking about purposes of this podcast in buffstampede.com, I would definitely say the fact that we label you our fan correspondent and that allows you to say we and us. And when we come back from being out in Lincoln, you can talk about the fan experience. I can talk about what it's like in the press box and have bring different perspectives to things. But you know, most fans are overreactive and crazy emotional. You are more passionate about, as passionate about CU football as anybody I know, but yet, you put it in a proper perspective and don't get too emotional about things and actually uh, do a good job of kind of analyzing things better than, you know, a lot of analysts, honestly. So,
2: yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely approach things that when things are going bad, I don't, the freak out isn't as bad for me. I mean, if I'm watching a game live, it is, but perspective wise, like when things are going down, I'm usually one of the last people off the ship. And when things are going right, I temper expectations um the old hawkins approach which i hate saying
1: what was happening during the oregon state game this year on your your twitter timeline
2: um i don't think i was on twitter because i was too busy staring well actually no yeah someone i I was having a battle with someone about how he was freaking out about the staff was falling apart and i was like come on bro it's oregon state we'll be fine
1: (laughs) whoops if you had to think back to all the tweets you wish you could take back with hindsight, being twenty twenty, is that pretty high on the list? Then? No, I mean because
2: listen, even the guys who were pissed off, like we're playing like shit. No one thought we were gonna lose. Yeah, people it was like, oh, it's ugly, you know, yeah. we're falling apart. But no one thought we were gonna lose that game. So no, I don't really want to take it back. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that was I want to take that game back. I don't want to take my tweet back.
1: <laughs> Black and gold. Josh asked, posted this on Twitter, but would like to know you and Tyler's thoughts. Is Spencer Dinwiddie the best player Boyle has coached will Boyle ever have a player better than the best he's had
2: um so actually Spencer responded to this and I thought his answer to the question was correct and he said that Alec Burks was the best college player and that he's the best NFL player I mean NBA player sorry I think that's the right answer for right now um he's obviously going up in his career. I think Andre had a chance to be the best NBA player, but he's had so many injury issues. He's kind of maxed out and Spencer has risen to another level. I think Derek white is kind of on that same trajectory as well. He's been fantastic for the Spurs this year. Um, I'd like to see what he can do next year with a full year where he's probably going to be given the reins. I would think in San Antonio too, but from, from a college level, um, he said, Alec Burks, I think, honestly, my answer would probably be Andre Uh, Because he he was there longer, and he impacted the the defense that those programs played was insane. I mean, Alec was a terrific player, um, but he just wasn't around long enough, and that program wasn't at the level that it needed to be yet.
1: I would say Dinwiddie because he had that ability when another team was going on a scoring run, he could get to the free throw line and kind of slow the other Mm -hmm. team down, get a few points back on the board. That's one thing that we don't see with McKinley right. He's not that guy that can get to the free-throw line seemingly well. Dinwiddie yeah. just had a real good knack for that, and he had the big shot mm-hmm. ability. Um, yeah, now that's this is why he's a 17-point guy in the NBA
2: now because the you could just see watching him play, not only just how he interacts with fans, but how he approaches the game, how honest he is about his game and everybody else's game. and He just has an unbelievable ability to – Take everything into account and find a way to get it done.
1: And talk about being comfortable in your own skin. I don't know if I've ever yeah met somebody that's more comfortable in their skin than Spencer
2: So Why would you not be? (laughs) He's he's done all right for himself. You know, I just love that Andre. Andre changed games defensively. Like he would take the other guy's best player completely out of the game, and that wins you a lot of games too. I mean, obviously, him and Spencer together is why they were both so successful, but. Yeah, Andre was a special player too. I mean, to be able to rebound at his level and caught I me—he mean, was like twelve point or twelve rebound per game guy at six seven. That's insane.
1: You think back and you have that thought. Okay, what if Derek White and Josh Scott could have played yeah. together? But I think the number one thing that you wonder is what happens if Spencer doesn't tear his ACL that yeah. season. Oh yeah, though? I mean they—they're a Sweet Sixteen team.
2: You can tell there's a different level of. They finish games they handled runs and found ways to get it done you know they were able to win games on the road that team was special yeah I mean you know and I feel bad I mean not mentioning Josh you know in that college level because for you was there for four years and obviously was a great player I just wish he would have been he needed to finish stronger I think that's the one thing that separated him from those guys
1: it's easier for other teams to take a big man out of the game too obviously yeah
2: Yeah. and you know there were times where he didn't finish around the rim as well as he needed to But, I mean, he was a great college player, too. I think McKinley will end up with better stats than all those guys because he's going to be here for four years. But, yeah, I mean, if you need to win a game, who do you put on the court first? It's probably going to be Alec or Spencer.
1: We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about basketball here at the end of the show simply because, like I mentioned earlier, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. Colorado's got a home game against Oregon State tonight. So don't want a lot of this stuff to be outdated already. But – Touch on a few things. McKinley Wright returned uh, last week. Buff split the games out in the Bay Area. They're 11-8 and eight overall. Again, that record will be a little bit different when you listen to this. Uh, seven of the remaining 11 Pac-12 regular season games are going to be played at, at the Coors Event Center. They're currently 10th place in the conference. Where, where do you expect them to, to finish up?
2: I mean, I th- they're going to finish strong because they have a lot of games at home. People are going to say, oh, they lost to Washington. I, I think we've seen over the past couple of weeks that Washington has really found their gear they're by far the most talented team in the conference long athletic defensively they're elite you know they're not going to lose more than two or three games in the league slate all year so it's yeah it's tough but I can't, there's not a lot of other teams that i'm i'm going to say when they walk into course event center clearly are going to win in this league it's a bad league so they'll find a way to bounce back and win some games just enough to probably give us some hope and then crush our souls somewhere down the stretch you know um this is a big home series for them. Oregon State and Oregon are probably top, top half of the Pac-12 schools, so you need to win those games if you want to make postseason play. You know, McKinley being back is nice. He's hurt, and there's going to be some limitations on what he's able to do on a nightly basis probably. Um, you know They're just missing so many other guys. Neamon's out, and Dell's out, and Dallas is out. That starts to take its toll, man. You can't have four guys who would play 15 or more minutes a game out and expect your season to go the way That you want it to.
1: It drove CU football fans crazy that Mike McIntyre kept using injuries as an excuse this past season. How much do you put the fact they haven't lived up to expectations on the hardwood this winter on those injuries?
2: Uh, It's part of it. I mean, in basketball, it's a bigger deal. And the thing that's annoying about the McIntyre injury thing is it wasn't key guys. Mustafa Johnson, Laviska Chenault's not a key. Well, that's one. I mean, Montez (laughs) is there. You know, it's like. All their defensive guys except for Chris Miller. It's like they had some injury problems, but this is football. Everybody gets injured, you know. Like even when Lavisca came back, that team was still the same, right? I mean, they were broken by the end of the year. Um, McKinley Wright makes this engine go, and playing with a torn labrum is not good. Um, you know, da- you know Dallas and Dell and name honor not your second, third, or fourth best players probably, but. When you only play eight guys, it gets tough. I mean, so it's not an excuse I want to use. They should be playing better, I mean, especially before they had all these injuries that in the tournament prior to conference play starting. But, I mean, going two and five when you've played two at home and five on the road in the Pac-12 isn't the most surprising thing ever.
1: I've watched more college basketball this year than I have in a long time. But I've watched less Pac-12 basketball this year <laughs> no. than I have in a long time. Dude, it's I just rough. I can't do it, man. I can't it's do bad. it. It's bad. It's
2: a bad league. Like no, Even the teams that are talented spend like five minutes. It's like, all right, look at this. They're actually doing some things. And then the next five minutes, you're just sitting there like, shoot this squad to the moon, never to return again. It's bad. And it's bad all across college basketball. There's a lot of bad offense this year. Um, there's some elite teams and a lot of flawed teams. I mean, the bubble this year is Gross. The fact that Indiana's probably still a tournament team is a joke. They've lost seven games in a row. You know, it's yeah, it's bad, man.
1: It's, you just you got know, to find out when yeah. Duke's playing. It's been rough.
2: Even, I mean, Zion's a ton of fun, but even they're frustrating to watch at times too. They take a lot of terrible shots, and you know they're so elite defensively, but sometimes they're just like, eh, we got Zion,
1: it'll be fine. If the Cavs get the number one pick, what type of celebrations taking taking place here at, at your house? I mean. <laughs>
2: A good one, I guess. I mean, Zion'll be fun. It would. It would be. I would almost feel guilty. The Cavs get so many. You know, <laughs> like you walked into LeBron, they walked into Kyrie, they walked into Zion. That'd be, it'd be kind of hard to
1: imagine. They're changing but, the lottery. I think this year the top, you know, the worst the top, three all the have the same three, yeah. chance. They're mostly so the likely Suns, to, Cavs, and Knicks right now. Yeah, and we'll see how it plays
2: out. I mean, the the Cavs are most likely to pick pick sixth, which seems like an overreaction to the issues. Like, if the Cavs pick sixth next year, that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like, I could see four, you know, that's how it was before fourth. I don't mind evening up the odds, but there's no reason they should be moving down past fourth. Yeah.
1: 2020 Riverside Poly point guard Lamont Butler Jr. is going to be visiting the Buffaloes this weekend. He has an offer from Harvard. The last point guard they brought in from Southern California that had an offer from Harvard turned out okay. We were just talking about him a little Pretty while. Pretty good.
2: Totally yeah. different guard though. Yeah. Um yeah. And Lamonts. I, he he's listed at six one. He looks like he's about twelve. So I mean Spencer. <laughs> so, did, was, so did Spencer. <laughs> Spencer that Spencer name. was young, but he was long. Yeah. You know, different type of guy. Um, I don't know. I I mean twenty twenty. It's I feel it's not Lamont Butler's fault, but I don't care. Like we need a guy next year. We have you know. We don't have a lot of space, obviously we only have one scholarship, but just the quietness in regards to twenty nineteen, like this team should feel
1: desperate because well, they're Well, That's out of why time. they're probably gonna have to go after a transfer.
2: Yeah, but I don't tad never does it and it's always been a bust. Every transfer we've gotten is was as good as they walked on campus as they are when they left. Josh Fortune, name on Wright, never improved. Except for obviously Derek White was next level, but yeah, the transfer market has been tough. Yeah for us.
1: Good point. All right, well, again, the regular signing period for football is on Wednesday. We're going to have a ton of coverage. we got a video on every guy that they're going to be signing for you, as well as, you know, who knows? we we got to be on the Elam Watch, and uh, we'll see how this class shakes out. Again, recording this on Thursday afternoon, three to four spots left in this class, so we'll see how they close it out. Thanks for tuning in to this Buff Stampede Radio.